Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Franci, and I am your host, and I want to begin by saying thank you for listening. On this show, I am having conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some amazing and extraordinary results in both their life and business. My intention is to inspire and help you learn and grow by having my guests share their journey of how they face and overcome their challenges, but also how they celebrate their many wins. And now let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. My guest today, Darren Master, is an old friend of mine who I had the opportunity to work with on a amazing project back in 2006 and 2007 and I have learned a lot I have learned a lot from him lessons that I still apply today now Darren likes to say that he's failed more times than he's succeeded and it was clear early on that Darren was a scholastic standout when he won a scholarship to study engineering at Cambridge University and received an MBA with distinction from NCAD which at the time was Europe's top business school He's lived and worked in 10 countries across five continents, including Kenya, UK, Netherlands, France, India, Sri Lanka, Thailand, USA, Canada, and Brazil. He's spent more than a decade in strategy consulting, culminating in being a partner at Monitor Company, and then another decade in various corporate roles. And at just 33 years old, he was head of strategy worldwide for BG Group, a 70 billion pound market cap company advising the board where to invest 1 billion pounds annually across 26 countries. And he's now spent over a decade as an entrepreneur and currently he is working on his eighth startup. He has worked in leadership roles in several industries, including consulting, oil and gas, telecom, sporting goods manufacture, which is where I worked with Darren resort development, renewables, software, and many others. He's won marketing awards in both B2C and B2B businesses. He speaks three different languages, and he has a self-published book on Amazon called Second Chance, and is currently working on another book titled Musings. So his Musings book is thoughts on metaphysics, spirituality, and people in general. I can't say enough of the times I've sat around boardroom tables with many MBAs and Darren is, a, is and was at the time an absolute standout. So I can't say enough, been looking to uh, have this conversation for some time. So please, without any further delays, let's get this show started. Darren Master, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Thanks for joining me, old friend. Well, Patrick. It's just such an honor to be invited. Thank you very much. And and great to catch up. Old friends indeed. It's been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been a long time. I realized that uh, we really haven't reconnected since about 2000 and the end of 2007. And I have a time frame for that because as we transitioned out of the project that we were working on at the time called Thermoblade, I came to British Columbia. It's when I actually uh, moved over to the Real Estate Investment Network. Uh, stepped in as uh, and now stepped in as CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network, and you know so we haven't caught up for a long time. So this is literally uh, catching up in real time and figuring out what each other's doing. But this is all about you, and you were always so my favorite subject. By the way, my favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, it's most people's favorite subject, isn't it? You know, I can tell you 
you know, if they and if they don't say so, they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, you know, back in those days, uh, Darren, uh, when we were working on that project, you know, I learned so much from that project, but specifically, I learned a ton of things for you in terms of business and how you operate the things that you do. And we'll talk a little bit about that shortly, but give me some updates of, you know, when people ask Darren what he's doing these days, uh, what's your answer to that question? <laughs> I'm I- well, look, the, the, the very short answer is I, I'm waiting for the universe uh, to catch up with my expectations. Right. So, but, uh, you know, which obviously is a really weird cryptic answer. Uh, but in, in terms of kind of what the, the normal kind of answer would be is, well, I'm living in the UK. Um, I have, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a startup company that I started up about two and a bit years ago called hrclarity.ai, um, which basically... I've invented a whole bunch of software that kind of figures out uh, who's going to leave, who the good line managers are, who the bad line managers are, and optimizes uh, total reward. And I'm hoping to uh, ideally sell that uh, business off because I'm absolutely bored silly with it. I'm writing a book called Musings, and uh, the, the 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 it's, it's a series of uh, snippets, um, a kind of a page, a page and a half on various thoughts on metaphysics, spirituality, and um, people. And you won't believe this, Patrick, uh, is I got an email out of the blue uh, saying, are you interested in modeling? And I said, yes. And so I've signed myself up for three modeling agencies. Um, I haven't got the call yet, but um, and I don't know whether it's a big, uh, big massive scam, uh, but that's about it really. That's all that's happening. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. So uh, let's go back. I want to talk a little bit about you also wrote a book, a self-published book called Second Chance. And tell me a little bit about that. So uh, that that book uh, was basically, it's an autobiographical account. I, mean, I wrote it uh, as a fictional story, but it was about my um, kind of search for, is there a God? And if there is, what kind of God is there? And how does one become a good person? And uh, it was all about what happened to me uh, pretty well much between 1995 and 2001. And uh, it's set in India, but it's also it's set, set in different parts of the world. But that's basically what that is. And, and really, that book is meant to help you think about what you think. So, you know, there are some questions that, you know, we all have. And we all have answers for those questions, but we may not necessarily have explicitly thought. So for example, every one of us has a view as, is there a God? And some might say yes, some might say no, but you have a view on that. What happens to us after we die? Everyone has a, a view on that, but maybe they haven't really thought about it, you know, is to whatever it is that they believe may or may, you know, there may be alternatives, etc. And what's the secret to be, uh, what's the purpose of life? And there are about seven kind of questions. And depending on how you answer those questions is that you will have a certain view of the world, a worldview. And based on your worldview, you will act in a certain way. And the reason why some people act uh, in given a, a, a same situation, some people might act as A or B or C or D, is all depending on their worldview, how they're processing that particular uh, situation. And the purpose of that book was for you to examine what are your worldviews at the moment and for you to kind of go through a more of a conscious process of evaluating whether your worldview is 
is right or not right, or consider alternative worldviews. Uh, because the, the reality is that for each of these questions, there is no way to say this is the answer. Um, you know, is there God? Well, you can't prove it. What happens to you after you die? You can't prove it. So these are a set of beliefs that, you know, are a set of beliefs. They, they cannot be objectively proven. And that's also very important for you to realize is that, you know, you may be believing in a particular set, but if you're somebody else believing in another set, you must just understand that's what they chose to believe in the same way that you chose to believe. And if you do that, you'll be able to understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving. And hopefully that will give a better understanding of the other person and um and understanding is uh, diminishes ignorance and ignorance is what causes hatred you know these are quite philosophical conversations but i think they're so valuable in kind of examining that i mean to understand somebody else you know in maybe how they operate why they operate that way from my perspective and i mean a body of the work that you know stephanie and i do for example is understanding how it affects you. So we have mm. beliefs, we have these ways of seeing the world to your point. It actually causes us or is the, you know, how we make the decisions, how we choose certain life, life paths, how we even choose partners and significant others because of how we view the world. So part of this is really a self-examination as well. I'm thinking, uh, yeah. is that the case? Oh, absolutely, Patrick. You hit it on the head, and and you know, uh, you know, it's so critical, and 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 this is something that uh, you know. I mean, I wrote the book, uh, and and you know, I don't I don't think many people have actually read it, uh, but I think most of the reason why I wrote the book it was a it was a a form of catharsis for me, for me to kind of understand, uh, you know, who I am. I mean, I was born in I was born in Nairobi, Kenya. My grandparents are from uh, were born in India. I grew up in the UK, and then I was living in Canada, and so. The question was, who am I? Am I Indian? Am I Kenyan? Am I Canadian? Am I British? Uh, you know, it's very, very confusing, you know, because, uh, you know, who, who am I? Uh, and so that's number one. And number two, to your point is sometimes, and I know this for sure, is, is that I had a particular view of the world and based on my own mental construct, I didn't like myself. And that led me to feel very depressed and and suicidal for over forty years, and and that was because of my own worldview about myself and my own mental construct about myself and how I uh, and about others and how I fit in with others. And you know, it's it's really really bizarre. But you know, to think that how can you possibly be creating a a, a view of yourself that leads to such a terrible outcome, and yet, you know, <laughs> yet, 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 I did, and 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 um, you know, it, it is so important. It's so important to 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 understand this exactly. You know, it's interesting that you know when we, you know, in past conversations, Duran, is that I recall, and I want to talk a little bit about your background. I think it's really important for listeners to understand what you just brought up around, you know, that kind of view of yourself, your. I guess the filters of which you saw yourself, the way you judged yourself leading to depression and suicidal thoughts. Yet here you are. I mean, you're very astute. You're a very astute businessman. You're incredibly intelligent. And, you know, you've certainly got the credentials to validate or prove that, if you will. But you also at that time, as I recall, uh, 
you were dealing with some anger, like in your life, you were dealing with some anger issues as well. Right. And you kind of got that managed. Uh, you went on a very, I guess, God journey, if you will, of discovery. And so you've done a lot of different things. And then in one of the things that brought my attention back to you as I followed along on some of your uh, social media is your conversation around depression stemming from your experience and how it kind of showed up. So you go through this big identity crisis, you know, where am I, who am I, you know, gosh, what culturally, where do I fit into this even? I'm sure there's lots of that. So let's, let's, I'd like to unpack that a little bit with you, Darren, and share your story. Let's go back a little bit. You're born in Kenya. Correct. Nairobi. Nairobi. Parents from India. Uh, uh, Graham, my, my father was also born in Kenya. Uh, and my mother was born in Uganda, but my grandparents were born in India. But uh, ethnically, obviously, I'm Indian. So, got it. So, okay. So, you go on this big journey. You're, you know, you're scholastically off the charts. I mean, you do some really cool things. So, oh my God, Patrick, you're saying all these things. It's really making me blush. I can't. But anyway, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. So. But it's true. And I can tell you, I've been in many boardrooms with you, and uh, it, it, it is nothing but awe-inspiring to see you at work in real time. But let's talk a little bit about some of your educational background. So give us a kind of a, a recap educationally where you're at. Then I want to talk about business, and then I want to circle back to this negative self-talk and the depression okay. and all the things, you know? Okay, sure. So, um, well, I went to one of the top three high schools in the U.K., and I won a scholarship uh, to to be there. And um, you know, when 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 I was coming to the end of it, I was top of the class uh, there. In in I did science, um, well, physics and and maths and chemistry. Then I won a scholarship to go to Cambridge uh, to study engineering, and then I graduated there with a with a with a two one. And then I went to uh, the top business school in Europe, and I graduated with distinction there. Mm-hmm. So um, I am very good at doing exams. <laughs> Okay, but okay. So, I mean, one of your—I I don't want to call it a claim to fame, but one of the you know many accomplishments that you've had was graduating from a very uh, unique or what do we call it a uh, special kind of INSEAD in terms of when you think about universities, that's kind of the top of the heap, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. In terms of it was it was it was at that time the top uh, business school in Europe. Yeah, mm-hmm. INSEAD. Yeah, top business school in Europe. Now you've worked with. You know, you've got your MBA, as I recall. I'm, I'm going by memory, so. Yeah, I did, yeah. And then you started getting out into the working world. I mean, you've traveled the world a number of times. Give give us a little bit of a. Okay, you know. so, so, um, so I, I, obviously we moved to, we moved to uh, the UK when I was six. And I was pretty well much in the UK until I went to INSEAD in, in 1994. So I was 28 at that time. And uh, that was based in France. After leaving there, I joined a, a strategy consulting company called Monitor and became a strategy consultant. And um, uh, together with Monitor, I ended up doing assignments. So I lived in India uh, for, for a while and then uh, ended up in Brazil, in Rio for about a year. Then... Um, from Monitor, uh, we were consulting to, at that time, a company called BGPLC, which is now owned by Shell, which is a uh, oil and gas exploration company, has uh, uh, operations across 26 countries and was investing 
uh, a billion pounds each year in projects. And at age 34, I became head of strategy worldwide to them, advising them where to invest uh, a billion pounds annually, uh, which was, uh, a, you know, an amazing job to have. And then, and then with them also, I then ended up going to India and set up an optical fiber broadband business for them um, in, um, in Surat. And um, that's where I went and had an encounter with God, a bit of a sabbatical. And then uh, God moved us to Canmore, where I met Tori Weber, the, uh, the, the, the creator of uh, Thermoblade, in a meeting. And uh, later on, I found out that God had told him <laughs> that, that I was the one who's going to help him, you know, get Thermoblade off the ground. And uh, that's how I ended up uh, in Thermoblade. And that's, you know, how I ended up meeting you. So, uh, he, you know, he moved us to, to Canada. And then I was in Canada for uh, up until 2009. Then I went up to, then went to Sri Lanka, did a few things there, and then uh, back to the UK. And I've been in the UK uh, since. But, you know, I, I totted up. Um, I mean, I've, I've lived and worked in uh, 11 uh, different countries and uh, five continents. So you've done some really interesting and incredible things in your life. Let's talk a little bit about where the negativity, where do you think? Now, I know you've examined it. You've done a lot of, you know, self-reflection and you see issue of depression for many people. And I, I'm not in any way, shape or form a expert on depression. I probably know very little about it, just enough to have me form an opinion and get me in trouble. Give me some insights into how it was for you, because I know depression is often... No, I'm told that depression is often can be a, just a chemical imbalance in the brain. It gets a, is the physiology and the chemistry of things throws things off. There is a, you know, some belief system that I've talked to different experts who've actually said people can't be depressed if they're not focused on themselves. It's literally impossible. So, you know, it goes back to the old phrase of, you know, find a bigger problem. You know, there is really get outside of yourself and depression can't exist. Now, I don't know if that's true. I'm just stating some so, things. I, I, I can't believe that. So, but so you, all, all, all of those things are, are, are true. Um, and, um, but they're, they're kind of, um, like a, uh, uh, you know, if you're examining a, 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 a mountain, uh, there's, they're kind of just seeing a particular part of the mountain and, uh, it has, I mean, obviously it is accurate when you look at it. Uh, with that lens or that prism, but uh, there is a there's a kind of a I'll, I'll give you my kind of thing, which hopefully will give a context to why those statements are true, and also that actually uh, you, you know so so let me let me just go into it. So the first thing is let's go through and examine each one of those one one by one. So it is about uh, your your focus on yourself. So depression occurs because you look back at the past and you're unhappy with kind of what's happened and where you've got to so you know if you if you look at the past it, you you'll you'll kind of pick up on those moments that haven't gone well how you wanted them to do and and so dwelling in the past will and and and, and you know human nature tends to dwell on those things that 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 tends not to be uh to totally great and then you'll end up kind of beating yourself up all right mm -hmm. so if you don't look at the past then you won't be judgmental on yourself and your judgmental your your judgmental attitude towards yourself is what results in in depression, and you kind of start being. I'm um, saying so I don't like 
how I did that. I don't like the consequences of what I did. I don't like, and then you get to the point, I don't like me, right? So, so it's basically, it is, uh, in that way, it is a kind of a focus uh, on yourself, a, fo- a very critical, hypercritical focus uh, on yourself. Now, in, in many ways is uh, for me, and to some extent, it's, it's kind of similar to most people, um, is that you uh, didn't like myself because I, I didn't feel that I fitted it. And that um, because, you know, uh, I, 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 felt, I felt that I, I wasn't, I, I didn't fit in. And I felt that I was kind of like uh, a bit odd. And, and, um, and I am, I'm neuroatypical. So I am a bit odd. And and those things that made me odd, which are made it difficult for other people to kind of interact with me because I was different, and so they didn't know kind of how to um, uh, deal with me. And because I was different, I'm thinking differently. Is is that I was always wondering why it is that people don't understand what I'm saying or doing, and of course they don't because you know they, they're they're processing in a different way. Hence the you know the worldview and all the rest of it. So so you kind of feel as if you're kind of totally alone and and you don't want to be you know the point is is that we as people as homo sapiens are really built to be in relationship and we want to be surrounded by people who understand us and respect us so so this kind of was constantly looking for somebody who will understand me and 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 accept me just as i am and not as as not to be something different and and thing so so this kind of and ultimately it comes back to something that we were just talking about just before we side off is, is that I, I just didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable with who I was. Uh, and, and I didn't want to be who I was. It's that, you know, and I, I heard Jim Carrey say this once is that, you know, you, each of us, uh, writes the script for our lives. We act the script, we direct it and we produce it and we are creating the movie. And the and he says is that you know one of the most appalling things is is that why have you written a script and a story where you're this character that you really don't like? <laughs> and it, I mean you know it sounds so bonkers when you say it that way, but that's the truth. And and you know until you realise that it's you've written the script and you don't have to have the script written that way. Uh, and until you, you you know kind of embrace the fact that you know you are what you are, and there's lots of good things about you. There's things that you know you was always work in progress and things that you can prove. But until you get to that point, you know you've you've got this really crummy script that you've written, and you you've written this really crummy character that you don't really like, and you're playing that role. Bonkers. I was beating myself up, mm-hmm. and and the the reason you know it's only about two years ago that I stopped beating myself up. Mm-hmm. But I was beating myself up up until that point because I didn't like being who I was. So mm-hmm. uh, it was that, it was that until I I said, okay, look, I'm okay with who I am, and I just stopped beating myself up. So it's a beating is that people feel depressed because they're just being so hypercritical of themselves. Okay. Yeah. So you know, what do you measure yourself against? So you know, when I listen to your and knowing your story a little bit and understanding, you know, you're uber intelligent, you know, from a scholastic or being smart intellectually intelligence, you're, you know, you're definitely in an upper percentile. You've traveled the world. You've done so many things and created all this business acumen. Like you've done, you, you, you know, from an outsider looking in, it's like dear and master, you know, genius, 
does shit, you know, does does math in his head quicker than most people will do it on a calculator, has a totally different view of the world, has a track record to prove it, you know, living the dream, traveling the world, you know, doing all of the things. So from the outside looking in, it's like, wow, what a cool cat. What a smart dude. What a great life. Mm-hmm. Yet you internally are kicking the shit out of yourself going, I'm a loser. I don't relate to people. Now, in that context, what I was, you know, would shine a light on is that, you know, what you shared with Jim about the Jim Carrey quote is that we're the producer, the director, the writer of our life. You know, it's a tough message to get to people is that, you know, our life is a reflection of the choices we make, the choices we don't make. Uh, it's a reflection of how we view the world, but also how we view ourselves. But it's yes. all a choice. It's all yes. a choice. All so a choice. you finally got to a point, and it took you a long time to do that, which was to say, I'm looking at the world through a set of filters that most people don't relate to. Now, there's all sorts of reasons for that, but ultimately you're beating yourself up because you don't feel like you fit in. And then you realize you finally come to a conclusion that goes, hold it. If people can't like me for who I am, then that's okay. We're, we're not destined to be in relationship or it's this type of a relationship. And then we move on, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So when you think about over, you know, let's say in the past couple of years, you finally came to a conclusion that goes, yeah, people just got to like me for who I am. And I'm okay in my own skin. I am okay being who I am. And ultimately I will live morally, ethically into my values and I'll align with those people that share those common values. Now that was intended as a recap. Uh, You know, I'll add something to that. And you're absolutely right, Patrick, on all those things, you know, it was a set of choices uh, that I was making. And, and, you know, the one thing that all of us need, all the 8 billion of us on this planet, we all need to be felt as if we are loved. And one of the problems that I had was because I was being critical of myself, I did not love myself. Right. And I was looking for that love from other people. Now, the reality is, is that, you know, everybody else is also on a kind of on a spectrum of kind of beating themselves up. And sometimes, you know, we're all dealing with our own stuff. It's very difficult to kind of give love. And so if you're looking for another person to give you that love because you can't love yourself, you're always going to be constantly disappointed. And that was the light bulb moment for me. I was thinking, hang on, how can I expect somebody else to love me if I don't love myself? Whoa. Honestly, it was like, I mean, it sounds so blindingly obvious, but I thought, how can I expect that if I don't love myself? then how can I expect somebody else to love me? And that was it. Because of course, is that, you know, if I love myself, then, you know, I'm not relying on somebody else and I'm not going to be disappointed. I've only got myself to be, and, and, and I can, and, and I, and I thought, yeah, this is it. We, and, 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 and that I, I can choose to be okay. And, and actually not only okay, but, but love myself for who I am. And, and it, and it kind of is that, you know, it, it was very difficult for those around me to love me, it's very difficult to love somebody who doesn't love themselves. It really is because they're constantly like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and 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 so that was it. And then and then the moment I realized that, I said, well, you know, love yourself. And and you know, of course, there are different reasons why people don't end up loving themselves, right? And you know, in my case, is this, this, that. But there are, but the, but the point is, is that for whatever reason, you end up not loving yourself. And I'm not saying in a narcissistic way, but just in kind of like, you know, stop beating yourself up. And the moment that you realize that and you realize that, you know, if you start loving yourself, actually you become a lot more lovable. (laughs) 
Or it's really, I mean, it's so blindingly obvious, but my goodness, you know, I, I, it was only, I mean, I've been, I've been in that state since 14 and it was only at 56, 42 years later that the wow. light bulb <laughs> dropped. But why do you, you know, when you think about that, Darren, and, and, you know, there's, a, I got a, a number of questions that I'd like to unpack with you around it, because I think it's a very interesting and, and a good conversation to have for listeners that may be going through similar things. You know, yeah. it, first off, if I asked you the question, what does loving yourself mean to you? Or what does it look like for you? Or what did you have to change to kind of get there? I know that can get a little bit deep or, you know, esoteric perhaps, but, you know, can you put some meat on the bone of what loving yourself really meant to you, how, how it shifted or what is it that you had to shift about you? I'll try to articulate what it is. It's a very good question. Is this, I think, I think the, the main thing is, you know, I am who I am and I can't be anybody else other than who I am, you know, because if I could be some, some, somebody else, I would be somebody else, but I am who I am. Number one, right? You are who you are. And number two is, is that all of us are trying to be the best that I, that you can be. And we're all in a state of evolution. So I realized that, well, I am who I am. I know that I'm trying to be the best that I can be. I, I, there are things that I could be better at and I'm, I'm working on them, but, but Hey, you know, I am who I am and, and I can choose to focus on, on the things that, uh, you know, are, are, are good about me. And I can also look at the things that I'm working on and saying, look, this is all work in progress. And at some point, you know, that also, uh, you know, will become better. And so I'm in a state of evolution. Everybody's in a state of evolution. It's like understanding and recognizing that, you know, a caterpillar is a perfect caterpillar. It's not an imperfect butterfly. And, yeah. you know, I, I am turning into <laughs> a beautiful butterfly, but, you know, I'm a caterpillar at the moment and, and I am what I am. I mean, a caterpillar is what it is and, and it is what it is and I am what I am. And I am. So does that make any sense whatsoever? I know it's just like, no, it's all good. It's all good. These are great conversations to have. I, because it's, it's so interesting for me when I have these kinds of conversations to see a view of the world, you know, from somebody who I know is got all of this stuff going on, but you're dealing with all of the things that you deal with through the set of filters that you, that you have, you know, there's a fundamental and it's something that I've, you know, I've kind of been very clear on when we're being a contribution to others, when our purpose is to be a contribution where we're making a difference in the world that's outside of us, you know, that really is, I think, the secret sauce, if you will, to having a very fulfilled and a great life is if we can take that. Now, that isn't the case for everybody, by the way. Some people are just by design okay to just kind of go through life, you know, raise their children. Uh, be a contribution with their own own family, and that's fine, you know. And I and I, I think that's great. As a matter of fact, the point yeah. is, is that an individual like you, perhaps an individual like me, we want to be bigger. We want to be bolder. We want to make a bigger impact in the world. You know, one of the acronyms I came up with in a meditation many years ago was "success is simple: significantly impact many people's lives every day." So be a contribution. Now, in behind love all it, that, love it. In behind all of that. There's a part of it that says human need is to what I said was have significance. Now, I've used that language and in a friend of mine, Alan Kahn, who's just a, an amazing personal and professional development coach. You know, he said, Patrick, he says, I understand what you mean by that word, but what people really need 
and really are looking for in terms of how you're using significance is they're looking for acknowledgement. They're looking for appreciation. They need to know that they're being appreciated in the world. You know, they need to understand that they're making a difference and that that is what is by nature, the human, it's a human, the psychology of it. Now, where am I going with this? I'm not sure. But when you look at all of what you've gone through and you're seeking love outside of it, was it a case, do you think, of you searching for that acknowledgement? Somebody saying that you're amazing, you've made a big difference in our lives, uh, we appreciate you, and that you you weren't finding it, or at least maybe you weren't hearing it. So again, long-winded, but I wanted to set you no, up. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, let's let's get on the couch. Uh, let's get on the couch and do a bit of uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. bit of Freudian analysis on this. So, look, the, the the bottom line is 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 that for whatever reason, uh, me growing up as a child, I didn't feel uh, that my uh, father and my mother uh, acknowledged or gave me enough feedback to say, "Good job." All right. <laughs> now, now it's very important. You know, I want just to focus on the words. Is that I didn't feel <laughs> that I was sufficiently acknowledged. Now. As far as they were concerned, is that they were doing all they could to acknowledge, you know, for whatever reason, is that as a child growing up, I I didn't feel it, right? So it's really important to understand is, is that, you know, you may, you, you know, is that, of course, my parents love me to bits, and I know that they do, and I'm, I'm, I'm living with them again, and I know that they do. Uh, but, you know, growing up, I didn't feel it. And so, so there was this constant kind of... Um, uh, there's this kind of hole that I'm not having that uh, validation, right? And and unfortunately, you know, this is a uh, this is the this is the kind of stuff. And 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 I was angry, <laughs> I was angry about it, you know. Uh, that you know, what what do I have to do to get a good job? You know, you know. So uh, and and I was angry about it, but because I didn't feel I got the good job. Now, I didn't feel I got the good job, right? Of course, they're, they're, my mum and dad are incredibly proud of me. They always have been, and they've always been saying that, but I just didn't feel it. So you're right. It's just that, you know, that that is really important because, you know, you, you want to feel that you are contributing uh, to, and be it that you are contributing to your family and giving your, your family love or contributing to society or contributing to your job or whatever it is that you're doing, you want to feel that you're contributing and that you have purpose. Because if you don't feel you have purpose and that there is a point of your existence, then the automatical, automatic and logical conclusion of that is why are you alive? And therefore, there's no value for you to be. And you might as well just top yourself right now. Right. So, you know, so without, without, without feeling that you have a purpose and a valid contribution and you are getting that validation then you'll end up with this way so you know i think you know that the, the chat was 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 partially right um but but i think you know also is is that and what i would just basically say is that that validation the most important validation needs to come from you about you because you can't really rely on other people to give you that validation well i think that you know as kids growing up there's a because i and i think you may recall maybe you don't but you know, I was part of, I did what was called the Hoffman process through the Hoffman Institute. Yes, I do remember. Yeah. And so it's a great body of work, really uh, life-changing for many, including myself, but it really was about negative love syndrome. Now, 
that's kind of where it is. And that's not all of it. I'm, I'm not doing it justice in saying that. I'm not minimizing that. But that was a really impactful part of going through the process, which was understanding that our parents do the best they can. Mm-hmm. The negative love syndrome is that, you know, from kind of inception or zero to, uh, you know, puberty, we're really only looking for our parents' love. That's it. That's all Absolutely. we're looking for. Yes. And, and, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It yeah. is all that matters. And the negative love syndrome is if we don't get that for whatever reason as kids growing up and it's, parents are always doing the best they can, let's give parents you know, that leeway is that they're always doing the best they can. And so that doesn't necessarily translate in a really powerful way as a kid. The point is this. We get older, we get out into the workforce. The whole one of the concepts of negative love syndrome is that we're always trying to impress our parents, even as adults. It's like, yes. so I ask you this question, and this is a question I actually ask coaching clients, but I ask the question is that, you know, here you are, you're 45 years old, you're 50 years old, you're 35 years old. How many decisions do you make in a day or in a week or in a month? How many decisions in your life are you making as a 40 year old, let's say? that you make the decision, you go uh, a certain way, and you wonder yourself, what would mom think of this? What would dad think of that? Now, seems pretty uh, kind of a normal thought process for many. They go, no, I think about it all the time. I think about what would my dad say about this? What would my mom say about this? And then you ask yourself the question, why the hell does it matter? Your parents just want you to be healthy and happy. Full stop. That's it. That's all they want. And they may have a view of decisions you make, but ultimately, why are you as a 40-year-old caring what your parents would think? That's an interesting psychology, isn't it? But there is the negative love syndrome is, and I and I put this to you because you're very accomplished. I mean, you've done so much scholastically in business. You've done some really cool things. And it's the negative love syndrome is, look at me, do you love me now? This goes back to the question. So look at me graduate, you know, on the dean's list or top of my class. Do you love me now? Look at this job I got, you know, for this $70 billion company. Do you love me now? So we start to get into this world. And I know it is a little bit being on the couch, but it is such a dynamic, isn't it? Of how our life evolves. And it doesn't, it's not trauma. It, you know, it's, I'm sure your parents didn't beat you. So no, I, no, 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 at all. But, but that's my point, right? You, you know, know, it's such an interesting kind of psychology yeah. to how we deal with things. So anyways, I throw that on the table for you to so, dissect so, the way you do. So, so, so um, you know, you're absolutely right. There, there was a point uh, that right through my 20s where I was uh, asking myself that question. Mm. Uh, and then I got married. And then, you know, I stopped asking myself the question is, what does dad think? Mm. And then, uh, because because at that point I realized that, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. And, and, and I, and I actually stopped asking that, that question, but then I started asking another question is what does my wife think? Is my wife happy now with me? And, and, and this is the unfortunate thing. (laughs) I, uh, unfortunately (laughs) she, she tended to be a a glass half empty person. (laughs) And, and this is the problem, right? Is yeah. You know, I had dealt with my, uh, so I had a, I had a spot of therapy uh, in my when I was when I was thirty, and I did deal with my uh, mommy and daddy issues at that point. Mm-hmm. But then I I'm them <laughs> out with uh, partner issues. Is she just she just was just just relentless? 
uh, uh, you know, partly kind of moving around. She didn't like moving around, right? She just mm-hmm. wanted to stay in one foot. And she didn't like the fact I kept on changing jobs and and blah, 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 blah. And all the rest of that. It was like, you know, why can't we be normal? Why can't we just stay in one place? And why can't you be normal and have a nine to five job? And this and the other thing. And so unfortunately, uh, you know, I'd replaced mom and dad with, with partner. And I think it's very important because, you know, you you can end up, uh, you know, dealing with one one set and then end up replacing either with a partner or with a uh, somebody at work or with a friend or perhaps the kids, you know, whoever it is, is is that you just, you know, we have a tendency is is that, you know, until, and I think it's also to do with energy, right? So I had this kind of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you can beat me up, <laughs> a kind of... Uh, you know, I'm a doormat written all over my forehead. Mm. <laughs> so, and, and you know, you, you kind of attract the energy uh, that you are emitting and stuff like that. So, you know, one of the things is, is that, you know, yes, it can be, you know, oh, what would mum say now? What would dad say now? And then it can be replaced with, oh, what is this person going to be saying now with me? And then, and then, and then if that person goes, then it's somebody else. It's like, you know, what would my line manager be saying to me now as well? So it's really important is, is that I don't, in many ways, right, is, is is that each of those individuals was was doing whatever they could do. They were doing whatever the best that they could do. But in in many ways, is that how you were viewing it, how you were perceiving it, is that you were just replacing it. the fact is, is that I had I'm a doormat written and I had I had chosen, I had chosen to write I am a doormat. Mm-hmm. And it's only until I threw I had to rip that I am a doormat. Of mm-hmm. my forehead, mm-hmm. and that took forty-two years. Wow, so fascinating, isn't it? I love it. Well, but you know what else I love, though, dear, and is that what I think is so great? You know, is that you got to it number one, yeah. and we're all on our own journey. And you know, I remember, uh, I remember years ago. Is you know, Stephanie asked me the question. She goes, "So, are you where you thought you'd be in life?" And I kind of thought about that question, and this was many years ago. And I said, yeah, I think, yeah, I am actually. I would have just chosen a different path to get here. And she goes, yeah, but then you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be who you are. Absolutely. 100%, Stephanie. Bang on. (laughs) And I went, oh, good point. So, you know, the fact that, you know, it took you 42 years or whatever that, you know, to, to get there is really just what you bring forward is the wisdom and the knowledge and the experience that uh, is oh. very, very powerful. And I know that you love to make a difference in other people's lives and, and you're sharing that. And so in the, in the context and the conversation that you're now having, what, what is the message that you want to get out, for example, around depression or about self-discovery? What, what's your message these days, Darren? Uh, so look, look, I, I think, I think, um, uh, it's it's, uh, it's 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 I'm, I'm trying to think of what the generalization would be, but I mean, I, th- I think I think the most important thing is is to realize that it's how you're viewing things that uh, makes makes a difference. And if you don't love yourself, you can't really expect somebody else to to love mm-hmm. you. So you have to start working on on loving yourself. Number one. Number two is sometimes it's difficult to to do that work if you're having somebody that you whose whose opinion that you really value is saying things to you that are not particularly positive um in which case you have to 
get away from there. Now, if there's somebody at work, you need to, you, if, it's a, if it's a friend, dump the friend. You know, if it's, uh, if it's workplace, then get a new job. A bit more difficult to do. And if it happens to be uh, a family member, just don't try not to interact with them or put a kind of Teflon force field. If it happens to be a partner, then this is a really, really tricky one. Then, you know, you need to tell your partner. If your partner can't stop it, then you have to say, look, I just don't think this is going to, this is not good for me, not healthy for me. And, and that's really, really difficult. But you have to say, look, I think it's better that we're not uh, partners um, because it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's destroying me. And so, you know, you, so you've got to basically do that. You've got to do your own internal work and, and then you've got to just make sure that you, you've got an environment where, where that isn't there. And then hopefully if you do that, then your energy changes. And once your energy changes, uh, you won't attract that. But, but you also got to realize is, is I realized that because my energy was what it was, I kept on attracting it. So you attract what you are. And until you can change your energy, you're going to still keep on repeating those, uh, same uh, same patterns, right? So it's really important to understand that ultimately <laughs> you've chosen this, you've chosen your energy to be a certain way. And until you change your energy, uh, you're going to continue having, uh, similar experiences. So that's what I say. And I've got to also say is that, um, look, it isn't easy, but living the way that you are with depression and suicidal thoughts is not easy either. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Now, you had, as I recall, a interesting story about your relationship with God or finding God, or there's something that was, I, I recall is quite powerful. And we don't necessarily align on that, by the way. I know your story is your story, but we don't align on that religious Christian view of the world. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. I just, I'm more, I guess, around consciousness and universal kind of law and definitely being there being a high power. I just don't necessarily refer to it as God. I often say I'm more spiritual than most Christians, but I, that's just my judgment of things. So tell me a little bit about your story. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I will, I will, uh, you're absolutely right, uh, to, to categorize our differences, uh, at the point that we last interacted, but, uh, uh, a whole bunch of stuff has happened since then, and we're probably more aligned now than than you realize. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, but 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 um, yeah. So 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 what happened to me is uh, you know I had this amazing uh, job. I've already alluded to that. I had this amazing job. I was thirty four, and just like it was just like a, a dream job. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And and I was oh my goodness, you know, I was I was uh, earning significantly more money than I could spend. Right. And it was just like uh, amazing. But I, I looked around uh, the room and and the the I was reporting into the board and I looked around the uh, the C-suite and all those other guys who were, oh, you know, 20 years older than me. And and I, and I looked around and I thought, I don't want to be like, <laughs> I don't want to be like that. And 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 I, I kind of realized that, you know, that time, uh, you know, well, given given uh where we are we we will uh, you know you you will remember uh patrick that film wall street uh mm -hmm. yeah greed is good and and i said to the ceo at that time i said look you know you've got gordon gecko on one end you've got mother Teresa on the other i've lived life mostly at the gordon gecko end of things and now i want to 
be a bit more like Mother Teresa. And, I, and, and so that's what I said. And I went, I basically thought, look, I, I've got to, you know, there must be God out there. And, and uh, it, I, I really need to connect with God because I really need God to help me kind of become, you know, deal with all my stuff and everything. And, and I need to go back to the uh, original uh, manufacturer and get the manufacturer's warranty on this and uh, ask for ask to be fixed. So I went to India, uh, to all in terms of the, the, the broadband business, but I really went to India looking for God. And and it was there that I had a uh, supernatural experience with uh, Jesus. He uh, he appeared to me, he talked to me, and um, and at that point I, uh, you know, gave my life to Jesus. But and then and then we were filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and the same thing happened. Uh, to my wife, she was also uh, had a had a different uh, uh, spiritual encounter, but she also had a spiritual encounter. And we went around, and everyone that we prayed for, that asked for prayer, they kind of believed that you know me and my wife had a special connection, and they believed that you know God would enter, uh, God would would uh, answer our prayers. I mean, they would have answered heard their prayers as well, but they just didn't believe. But uh, so you know, whoever we prayed for was healed, and then and at some point later on, um, you know, we went into, ended up. Uh, going to uh, joining a Pentecostal church, if you could call it that, it's independent Pentecostal church, and so on. And, so on. and so that kind of took us in into a whole kind of area um, of uh, interacting with uh, Christians uh, in India, in Sri Lanka, in Canada, and in the in the UK. And so I did spend quite a bit of time being an itinerant pastor in Sri Lanka. I had a, a cable TV show where I was uh, sharing the message of God and and explaining the Bible and stuff like that. So. Uh, all of those things um, happen, and, and at the point when I when I saw you, I was uh, uh, full on with this stuff. And now, what I've what I've then since realised is this: is that in some ways, if you ask me, all religions the same, I would say superficially, very superficially, yes, of course, is that you know they all believe in some kind of higher power, uh, and that you need to be a good person. And but then you know the answer is no in terms of how it's interpreted and all of the. The, the dogma that goes around it and all the rules and stuff like that, they're very, very different, uh, you know, across the across the major religions. But then if you ask me again, is that the core spiritual truth uh, in all of them is the same. And that spiritual truth is that there is a higher power. It's all about love. And, you know, is, is that uh, all of the spiritual truths of all the major religions are focusing on, you know, it's not about you. It's about a higher purpose in love, uh, a higher purpose, and our purpose here on this planet for each and every one of us is every day to become a slightly better version of ourselves than we were yesterday. Number one, and number two, do everything in love. Mm-hmm. Everything in love, and you know, and more importantly, is is that that's basically it. And love means not judging. So. Looking at someone and saying, you're going to go to hell because you don't go to our church or uh, you're an unbeliever uh, or this thing or that thing, uh, you know, labeling people judgmental, judging people is not love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's really quite quite amazing. So so the message, you know, the message of Jesus is love. And in fact, the message right through it, Jesus actually just makes it a little bit more easy to understand. But the reality is, is that if you're a Hindu and you are trying to do karma. It's all about karma. Mm-hmm. But if you don't love, anything that's not done in love is bad karma. Anything that is done in love is good karma. So if you 
are a good Hindu, you can have to believe in Jesus. And and of course, the Ten Commandments are all about love, uh, and and so are the five pillars of of Islam. They're all about love. And so you know, ultimately, is this love is the most practical thing uh, to do. And and each each religion is was given to a particular group of people at a particular point in time, talking the language that was relevant to that group of people at that time to explain things in that time. So, uh, you know, I've come to that, uh, I've come to that conclusion and that's actually what this, this book is about is, you know, the, the spiritual thoughts on metaphysics, spirituality, and people is trying to explain is that, and, and I come to the point that, you know, that this, this higher power is uh, an eleven-dimensional quantum field, <laughs> and and it created this four-dimensional construct which we are in, and and then blah 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 blah, and and that and that we are symbiotically living with this uh, with this eleven-dimensional consciousness field, uh, which is love. Uh, so uh, that's what I come to, it. and and all of these are expression of, but you know, love, and you know there is, and when you come to that. And if if we were all to realize that all of these things are all about love, we would realize there is no difference. We are all the same species. We're all homo sapiens. And, you know, the way that we're behaving right now is we're going to destroy each other and destroy the planet. Uh, you know, we're quite, we're, we're, we're pretty close to completely destroying the planet uh, to a point where there's no recovery. Uh, we're on that crux. And if we don't get our act together, very soon we will end up destroying the planet and destroying everything on it. Now, when you say that, don't think you're talking about climate change. No. You know, you really are just talking about the world as it unfolds today, the divisiveness, the polarity, yeah. the yeah. hate, and the fear-mongering. I mean, yeah. it seems at just epic proportions. Oh my God. It's just, I mean, you know, we, but, we but, I, but dear, and just a, a quick question for you and, and you're well-traveled and, and I am to a different degree, but sometimes I wonder, is it just because social media is so now blatantly reporting it all that we're able to see it all? And it's always been bad. It's just now we see it or my sense of it is it's got significantly worse, driven by leaders with agendas that nobody can even wrap their mind around. But what's your kind of philosophy or thought process on it? So, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, 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 think, I think it has, I think, I think the darkness has got, got worse. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and part of it is uh, because, you know, it's never been easier for somebody to manipulate somebody else than it is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's just, it's just like phenomenal. I mean, you know, uh, in the old days, you know, you'd have to occasionally, uh, hope that they'd go into a movie theater and see a film, a propaganda film. But these days you can, you can blast your propaganda message to somebody every two minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. The power of uh, manipulation. So, you know, I think on the one hand, and, and I, and I wasn't talking about climate change. I mean, I think, I think the real problem isn't climate change. The real thing is how we're depleting the earth of resources, you know, uh, plastics, uh, rare earth, earth metals, you know, in the old days, I mean, you know, you, you can't even change a plug anymore. I mean, you know, in the old days we, we used to wire our own plugs, right? Mm. Is now 
You can't change a plug because the whole thing's fused. You have to throw the whole thing away. You have to throw everything away. The moment that it stops working, you have to throw it away. You can't fix anything. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I'm talking about. We're just, we're just completely ravaging uh, the planet, just destroying it, ravaging it. So, but anyway, the point being, you're asking is, I think that uh, on the one hand, the, 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 the darkness is getting worse. But at the same time, is the light is getting stronger. Yeah, and it's really weird because, you know, these kinds of conversations that, uh, you know, and you would have noticed this too, I'm sure, is that over the last uh, 15, 20 years, is you're having, uh, well, I'll ask you, I mean, I, I, are you not having more more spiritual conversations with more people than than you have been before? I don't, I don't know that I am. And here's, let me just kind of back that up a little bit. You know, first and foremost, I learned many years ago, my purpose and understanding that I, I'm always having those conversations. I've been having these conversations for 35 years or more. And that's kind of always been my calling. I just gravitate to those deeper conversations. Like these kinds of conversations we're having today are pretty normal for me. And and to the degree that Stephanie and I launched our podcast of Mindset Matters, it really is understanding our own psychology or understanding ourselves, having that awareness to discover what is it we're searching for. So, you know, is there more of it? I don't know. I My observation is this, is COVID put us over or the pandemic put us over the edge in terms of the polarity and the divisiveness driven by political leaders. Okay. It's Great. just so hard to imagine. They took it to levels unimaginable, I agree. Unimaginable. And yet we're in it. Like, it is an interesting time. It's a fascinating time to be alive, although it's frightening. I think that there's so much uncertainty, so much confusion. Uh, You know, it's really hard for people, myself included, to really decipher and make decisions. And so we have to look to find answers within ourselves, you know, to be really clear on who we are, how we're defining ourselves. What are the values that light us up? What truly are our values and not somebody else's values? And I think people are really searching more than ever for something. And that's part of what is creating the divisiveness. Agreed. Agreed. And it's creating this polarization. And, 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 you know, I, I, I think, I mean, what I found is, is, is that the darkness is, is increasing in its intensity, but also so is the light. Uh, and the light at the moment is is a relatively small percentage of the population. Mm. But I also believe this is is that we we're coming to a point where mankind, Homo sapiens, has the ability to have enough energy, uh, control over energy, fusion bombs, hydrogen bombs, whatever, to uh, blow all of us up. And if it gets into the hands of um, uh, a, a number of very committed terrorists. Uh, that will be it. So, so what's going to happen is, in the next thirty to fifty years, we'll either blow ourselves up, or we will realize that this is utter madness and flip the switch. So, I, I do believe that we'll end up flipping the switch because if we don't flip the switch, we'll anni- we're going to annihilate ourselves because all this hate and stuff like that. All this kind of escalation and stuff like that is going to end in only one thing, which is just mutual destruction. And we'll either be mutually destructed, or we'd end up flipping the switch and realize this is completely mad and, and go on another path. I also believe that the higher power, in some ways, is that because time works differently, is, is that we are ultimately we evolve into the higher power. So I, I do believe at some point we will flip the switch. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as, as 
as as bonkers as it might be, I think the flip the switch will be flipped or will annihilate itself. But we'll we'll know in the next thirty four years for sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, for sure, it's unfolding, and it's almost uh, you know a good versus evil. It's the dark versus the light. You know, uh, many are riding. You know, they're they're riding the white horse while others are. You know, yeah, it's a great Hollywood movie. movie. And it goes it's back a great movie. <laughs> classic movie. You know, uh, it is an interesting time to say the least. And uh, you know, I know my own commitment is to you know make a difference in the world, get a message out there. You know, create food for thought. It's why I've really enjoyed this conversation, Darren. It's been great to uh, no, I thank you, Patrick. It's been, and, uh, uh, you know, for listeners, uh, I, I really do. And I know it's uncomfortable for uh, Darren sometimes to take a compliment, but I was in boardrooms with you many, many times, uh, spent many hours hanging out in the world that we hung out with. And I really got to see uh, your genius at work. And uh, it was really so... It really was a, a kind of a pivotal time for me. It, it changed my view of the world. It was a bit of a fork in the road in terms of relationships. So good job. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and I'm only blaming I, you for stuff. You know, like, you know, I'm not blaming you for any of the bad stuff that happened. You know, I, <laughs> I joke. Okay, so um, we've, we've, we've attempted to solve some of the world's problems. I think that we've uh, done a pretty good job in terms of uh, that. As we start job, Patrick. Good job. Good job, Darren. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Good job. So uh, <laughs> you are appreciated. So when we, uh, I like to wind down the show a little bit and uh, do what we would call some rapid fire questions that I always add that they're not all that rapid fire. But, uh, you know, you've come to a place in your life and I know that you're, you know, you're facing just normal life struggles. But I would do have one question for you. Given where you are today, what's unfolded, do you still have some strong optimism? Are you still really excited about the future and what it holds? Uh, given what's happening in the world, given where you are in your life, are you are you still pretty fired up about the future? Yes, and and look, I'll, I'll be fifty eight this year, uh, but I bet this next bit is going to sound really bonkers. I think I'm just about halfway through my life, mm-hmm. and um, I think there's uh, uh, you know. Uh, and, and this is the, I'm going to throw you, you, you inspired me. Obviously, you are, you are slightly older than I am. But oh my God, when we met, uh, you were the fittest guy uh, amongst us, right? And so, um, and, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, um, you, you, there is age is only something that you have in your mind. So I, I, I believe I've got, I've got, I've got uh, 60 years ahead of me. Beautiful. <laughs> bonkers. Well, so I don't. I, no, by the way, I don't think it is. I think that given technology, given our awareness of how yeah. to be healthier and live healthier, uh, yeah. quite frankly, um, I think 120 is probably very achievable. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I've done my the whole uh, body fat thing. I mean, my metabolic age is 40, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, so so, <laughs> so. so I don't know. I don't know if you pay attention. If you saw, you know, I I I'm officially uh, a senior citizen. You know that, right? I turned. 65 uh, your your biological what's your metabolic age there come on tell us oh i have no idea i'm i yeah, I, I, bet, I bet i bet you must be 40 or 41 or you well, yeah, i went through this really i had this opportunity to uh do a test so i was tested at uh, just over 60 so they were doing uh in calgary they were doing this whole test against older men as in 60 plus and they were comparing them to triathletes and and so anyways i went through this 
series of literally what is it uh, when they put you in the tube and they examine yeah yeah it's it's, it's that, that that's the most uh, advanced body fat uh well this wasn't body fat this was actually they were checking my heart so oh okay okay, okay. I'm, I'm just trying to think of what the piece of equipment is called doesn't matter why it slipped my mind i have an idea it's where they like put you on a stretcher they you wheeled into the into this tube and i was in there i think 90 no, the mri mri yeah thank you so they're checking me all out and okay they, yeah a, a significant so they were but they were what they were doing is they're doing this whole study uh triathletes a uh, younger uh, triathletes compared to older men who were who were fitter but not necessarily fit who were relatively healthy didn't have to be healthy they were just trying to get benchmarks anyways i had the opportunity to do that and i did that so i went in with the nurse and the technician while i was in the tube the doctor showed up you know how doctors are they just kind of breeze in they're just reading the charts right and he looks at it and stephanie was in with the nurse because just because of the circumstance anyways the doc says he goes you know if i wasn't looking at this patient's age on this file and just looking at what's on my screen i would say he's 40 years old yeah. and i went and he, like he said this actually even like he says there's nothing around the heart like he said this is pretty this is very very rare so he said let's let's pay attention to this one and as in let's keep this file so anyways i was i felt very special in that moment and particularly heart healthy anyways. No, exactly. And, 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 you know, this is the thing, right? And, and, uh, you know, and I'm sure that you're still, you know, uh, some few years after that, you're still, you're still at 40. And I mean, I did my first triathlon when I was 50 and, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I, I try and they say, basically they didn't keep your body fat percentage to 13%. You'll never have heart disease. You'll never have cancer and you'll never have dementia. And, you know, uh, I, I, so I, the answer to answer your question, I'm incredibly optimistic about the future. I'm incredibly optimistic about my life. I do have no spring chicken, but, 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 uh, but, you know, I, I also know that I'm, uh, incredibly more productive now than I've ever been. And, um, there's things and I'm constantly learning new stuff as well. So I'm very, very optimistic about, um, and I also believe that light will prevail. And I also believe that, um, oh my God, this is really a bit, uh, grandiose in them. I believe that that every experience that I've had, uh, is leading me up to something that, uh, is quite important and, uh, that there is real purpose and a uh, real necessity for me to still be here on this earth in this astral realm. Fantastic. I use the phrase I'm older, wiser, and a little wider, but anyways, we digress. But so you're not that, you're, I'm sure you're not that wide. Either. <laughs> so you're not that wide. You're looking, you're looking, I can see, I can just about see those, uh, those, uh, those. yeah, there's, 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 yeah, there's the only kid. Yeah. never mind. So <laughs> let's get back to these questions. And I know you're an avid reader, but do you have a favorite book that was uh powerful impacted you? Or one that you like to gift because it has such good meaning. <laughs> so this is going to be cheesy, but of course, it, uh, I mean, it is. It, I mean, really, it is. It is the gospel, right? The four, four mm. gospels. Uh, what Jesus says. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you have to have that a on your reading. It's number one, right? Then there are other books. There's a there's a book by uh, Viktor Frankl um, mm -hmm. called Logotherapy. Oh my God, you have to read that book. That was really, it's all about purpose and stuff. Victor Frankl, uh, logo therapy. Then there's, um, 
there's a whole bunch of books on um, uh, the art of self-deception. I can't remember. Oh, the Arbinger uh, Institute, uh, also really kind of uh, an amazing uh, kind of book. Uh, and more recently, uh, I came across this uh, author, David R. Hawkins. And uh, he's written a series of books, uh, Power Versus Force, Transcending the Levels of Consciousness. Yep. Um, unbelievable. Oh, my. Oh, my. I wish I had come across those books earlier. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. David R. Hawkins, uh, Transcending the Levels of Consciousness. Um, just believe, unbelievable. Amazing. Well, you know, what's cool about this is that I've had, you know, probably hundreds of guests on my show over the years. Nobody's recommended any of those books. So that'll be interesting. You know, look at those up. I know, uh, I know Marnie, who does my show notes, will be making a note of that for me. So. Well, what about, I mean, you must have somebody recommending the Gospels in the Bible, surely. No, no. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, oh. and we've had some really, I've had uh, more than a few believers in a big way. But no, they didn't. They, you know, uh, look, let's just, I mean, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's interesting is uh, I, I consider the, you know, the gospel, the Bible, kind of like a owner's manual of life. So it, mm-hmm. it really lays yeah. up the rules for people who can't figure out what the rules are. So, yeah. you know, that's really what it is. Uh, that's how I look at it. And I, have, I, mean, I, mean, I agree totally, 100%. Yeah, I read it many, many years ago. Okay, so iPhone or Android? Android. Yeah, of course. I knew that. I, I already knew that. I, I, Android. Okay. What's a job that you do even though you hate it, but you're good at it, so you keep doing it? Building really complex models, spreadsheets. <laughs> you are the spreadsheet king, and I know I am the spreadsheet. Spread. Yeah, you're a jock spreadsheet. Jock. <laughs> And I think PowerPoint afterwards is another one. I share this with listeners. I've sat in boardrooms where Darren actually created a spreadsheet on the fly in real time in front of 15 guys who were all MBAs. And they were all just sitting there with their mouths hanging open going, oh boy, what are we dealing with there? That was very funny times. Do you have a favorite inspirational quote? Be the change you want to see in the world. Mahatma Gandhi. Beautiful. I agree. It's one of the best. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the gates? Good job. Good job. I appreciated you. <laughs> your room, your desk, or your car, what do you clean first? Room. Now, you have a, you're have a bit of a musician. You like to sing. You like to play the guitar a little bit. Do you have a favorite tune or a favorite band, a go-to? Uh, I mean, I do, I do a good Elvis karaoke. Um <laughs> So I, I also like uh, 60s music because it's really upbeat and stuff, right? So, you know, anything by the Drifters, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just really, really, I find it I find it wholesome. So that's the kind of music that I like. And then, of course, I do like, you know, uh, if I'm in the car, I will tend to listen to classical just to kind of chill and not get worked up with all the other silly drivers on the road. So... I think driving in traffic is a real test of uh, one's resolve to uh, live in love. Okay. <laughs> Do you have, For sure. Do you have a favorite movie? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. So uh, the Lord of the Rings, I, I really love. Um, 
uh, well, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's really it's cool movie. Final question, Darren, and thank you so much for your time today. What are you grateful for? The love that's in my life. Beautiful. I love it. I would have to say I'm grateful for that as well. I'm also grateful to have reconnected with you and uh, lots of memories came flooding back. So it was, it was awesome. I love your humor and your laugh and uh, what you shared today. Thank uh, you, Patrick. Very, very impactful. So thanks for your time. No, and, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to talk about my favorite subject. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you. And oh, by the way, Darren, good job. I appreciate you. Thank you. Good job, Patrick. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.